So ABC Australia, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, which is actually pretty much like the British Broadcasting Corporation, a government-run entity, and uh, most of its material, if not most of its audio, is free to use. Guess what? Yes, that's good information for all of you out there. But they had an expert on discussing the situation in the People's Republic of China, specifically China's economy. Now, it's very important, of course, to us in the United States and other parts of the world because the People's Republic of China is such a big part of the global economy. They are the second largest economy in the world after the United States and just ahead of Japan. So when you hear word that there is fears or risks of Japan's economy, rather, uh, not, not Japan, but of the economy of um, China, People's Republic of China, uh, in, in danger, then you start to worry and wonder what could be next and how far could it be going. Of course, you know, these are all analysis of analysts. And analysts all have their reasons for their studies. Uh, they all have their reasons for their points of view. And uh, but generally speaking, uh, ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Company, is, is a very conservative broadcaster when it comes to, you know, bringing in topics like this. And, and they're usually very careful. So, uh, um, you know, the the head of or the co-founder of J Capital Research, uh, Anne Stevenson. Yang, who's actually based in, uh, I believe, Hong Kong, or was based in Hong Kong for a long time, uh, is an Australian woman. Uh, she immigrated or lives in China and uh, lived in China for, for a very long period of time and is very knowledgeable on the economy there. Having studied at Beijing University, gone through all the courses at Hong Kong's uh, university, uh, you know, and, and uh, China's economy, she says, will be adversely affected or even crash in the third quarter and uh, you know deflation is likely to happen around the world deflation is different from inflation deflation means an economic downturn which means a lack of economic activity which means a lack luster performance of the global economy now you know you can uh, uh, look at uh, the policies of China particularly surrounding the uh, zero COVID policy in Sh Shanghai and other cities as partly the brain according to uh, Professor Stevenson Yang so uh, you know she is an author uh, she probably has a book to sell so you know take that as a grain of salt anyway let's listen to uh, about a 10 minute interview uh, I'm not even going to edit it I'm just going to put it straight in again this is public domain material uh, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation is a public broadcaster. Its content and uh, programs are very good to watch. I will put a note in the uh, in my show notes where you can link and watch this. Well, it's a it's a major commitment of the Xi government to try to uh, try to tame the financial sector and try to uh, to, to keep. Uh, people in finance from getting like super rich and uh, and and to to try to you know shift this development model. The thing is that they're he's they're not doing anything actually to change the model, but they are restraining uh, credit. 
you do have to ultimately restrain credit because the the return on credit gets lower and lower. So you have to spend like, you know, eight renminbi to get one renminbi in, in GDP growth. And that ultimately uh, is, you know, not sustainable. However, I don't see a whole lot of other ideas. How likely is the risk of recession in China? Are they going to be able to keep the economy bubbling along, maybe not at five and a half percent, that maybe closer to two percent? Not really, because, you know, the PBOC has done a stress test on the banks and and says that anything lower than four percent and the uh, and, and the banks start to to go belly up uh, and have lots of NPLs. So once that happens, there's sort of a cascade of uh, of, of bank failures. Last week, we heard from President Xi that he was going to strengthen macro policy adjustment and adopt more effective measures to strive to meet the social and economic development targets for this year. I mean, what does that mean in reality? What's he telling the people of China? I don't know that he's telling them anything. We've had several of these uh, these pronouncements over the last, since, since March when uh, Liu He, which, who's a, a key uh, vice premier, came out and said that, that they would vigorously support the market and support uh, real estate and all of these things. But the thing is, they they really haven't had uh, haven't haven't provided any concrete measures that will do that. They have talked a good game several times. Uh, Li Keqiang uh, held a held a big conference by phone with a whole lot of uh, officials around the country and said the same thing. But you really didn't see any measures that followed it. Yeah, construction and infrastructure has been such a huge driver of Chinese growth over quite some time now. New construction starts dropped by 42% in May and there was a similar drop in April. Now, in the past, we've seen China's leadership really throw the kitchen sink to keep this all going. Are they washing their hands of it this time? Uh, You know, my sense is that Xi Jinping doesn't really, doesn't fully understand uh, how critical this is. Uh, But uh, I, I don't think they're wiping their hands of it, but they're not—they're uh, not pushing a ton of money behind it either. So, so you get into this pro-cyclical uh, issue where where construction taxes from construction activities start to drop. Local governments have less money because they don't have the tax revenue, uh, so they can't build stuff. And you know, local governments spend 90% of the money that China spends on infrastructure. So even if you were to stimulate, you're not gonna get a lot of oomph out of the local governments because they have less and less revenue and lots and lots of obligations to, you know, to schools and hospitals and roads and you know, trying to keep people, people more or less, you know, happy or fed. A lot of trades have been made, particularly by China's big trading partners like Australia, you know, based on the strength of this infrastructure build, the property build, and also the strength of the Chinese consumer. Do we need to be worried? Yeah, I think so. Australia has had sort of a uh, sort of a crack high over quite a long time now, over about a decade, over a decade. Uh, from the the Chinese stimulus drive that started in 2009, and and Australia has sold a ton of iron ore, uh, met coal, and other things that come out of the ground and get socked onto ships and shipped off to China. And you know it's been great for Australia. That is melting away. There are huge expectations that China's 
middle class was going to really blossom and be uh, the huge market for Australia's exports, particularly on the services side that would sustain Australia in particular over the next decade. You've written, though, that Chinese households have been overspending their incomes. What does that actually mean? You've referred to it possibly being a bubble that's popping. So I think that people have really underestimated the degree to which Chinese uh, consumer spending is is fueled by capital spending. So the the Chinese consumers since about 20, 2009 have have had all this money in their pockets from selling land to the government, from flipping apartments, from the, the stock market, from all of these capital things, from people coming in and investing in their private companies. Um, and so it's been really that sort of thing that that's pushed this massive uh, consumer spend. You haven't seen salaries and income uh, go up very much. So, uh, so, so as the capital markets come down, then so does spending. So, how safe is the financial system within China? Well. I think that you know the government is very is, is hypersensitive about that, and they have a a totally closed financial system. Um, and so, when whenever there's uh, stress on the system, they they kind of you know they they carry in a fire hose of uh, of cash, and they just hose off the, uh, the 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 relevant bank or the the other institution with cash. And so, you don't really have failures, what you have is uh, is a lot of semi-worthless renminbi that's hosed onto the system. China's just halved the quarantine time for international travellers arriving to one week, but officials have been reported as saying that COVID zero will remain in place for five years. Really? Yeah, they're also issuing more visas, um, but I think that uh, that Xi Jinping is loath to admit that this policy has not been a success. Uh, clearly, lots and lots of people have died from lockdowns uh, and not from, from COVID. Uh, the rest of the world has moved on and decided to live with COVID and China has not. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's... It's a form of control that that the government gets used to. It's kind of like the 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 controls that were put in place on, at the Olympics of 2008. The government just never dropped them because they got a little bit high on uh, on on being able to control people's movements. So, is it a way of controlling the economy? You know, the best way to control the economy would be to end that sort of thing and to and to open up. But that really does not seem to be th- something that they're they're willing to do. It's 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 a little bit curious. Um, it, it does seem that the very top of the Chinese government is impervious to argument. And what about China's central bank? I mean, we're at a phase now where all the major Western central banks are hiking aggressively. They're dealing with inflation. They're pulling back their balance sheets as well. But it seems like China's central bank is going the other way. Right. So this is this is a key problem with uh, with, with needing to provide stimulus. If you if your policy is opposite to the policy of other major currencies in the world, particularly to the U.S. dollar, then it's going to put a lot of depreciation pressure on your currency, and and you're going to eventually get capital flight. Uh, your incoming commodities are going to be very expensive. Uh, and that's something that, that China sees as a huge headache. So how worried are you about what's happening in China economically? What do you have as your base case outlook? Uh, 
I, I'm sad about China. I I I think you know it, it, there was a, a slim chance that it would continue to open to the world and become more more economically liberal and more politically liberal. I never thought I never thought the chances were very good, but I hoped, and now it's going totally the other direction. So that's not good economically, and it's not good. Uh, politically. So my base case for China, you know, I, I think that the Chinese economy is really going to go through a crash. Um, and, and I think that it, that China is going to spew defla deflation into the world uh, pretty soon, like along about third quarter this year. Why so soon and why is it going to be so contagious? Because the uh, as demand for commodities goes down, China is responsible for a huge amount of commodity consumption. And so as their demand declines, then commodity prices decline. And that's an international effect. But, but I think the key thing is that the renminbi has got to depreciate. And as the renminbi depreciates, that's what pushes deflation into the world. And the central bank and the government won't be stepping in to stop it? They, they are already. They're, they're intervening uh, rather heavily, it looks like to me. But, you know, you can't stop it altogether. And Stevenson Yang, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Nice to talk to you. You have listened to Anne Stevenson-Yang, an author from Australia, originally based out of uh, Asia, particularly China, on China's economy and its expected crash that he says may happen in the third quarter. I'm Mike of New York. We're going to look at more China topics uh, in this episode today, particularly, particularly and closely looking at, of course, uh, the current situation that a lot of people are, are looking at uh, with uh, China's car maker. BYD, which is now outselling Tesla. Well, who would have thunk it? Just after Tesla put up one of its biggest production plants in the world in China, a Chinese car maker comes out with a car that just is like a Tesla. How coincidental is that? <laughs> I thought Elon Musk was smart. Oh, well, yes, he isn't. Then again, Many people thought he was going to buy Twitter. And yeah, look what happened there. I'm Mike of New York. Let's listen in. What did happen? And this is from China in Focus. And uh, how Elon Musk wasn't able to uh, maintain its lead as the world's leading electronic or electronic electric car maker. And uh, how exactly this happened. Well, Cynthia Meyer may have a little bit to tell us about that from China in Focus. I, I like listening to China in Focus. They're based out of Taiwan. They do a lot of good programming. And sadly, YouTube uh, demonetized them. Uh, who would have thought YouTube would do a thing like that? Anyway, here's Cynthia Meyer. First, let's turn to the auto industry. Tesla can no longer be called the world's leading electric vehicle company. That's because Chinese conglomerate BYD has sold more electric vehicles in the first half of this year. BYD, by the way, stands for Build Your Dreams. And it is Colin Fredrickson has more. 
Chinese conglomerate BYD has surpassed Tesla in electric vehicle sales with 641,000 sold in the first half of this year, while Tesla has only sold 564,000. The reason for that is Chinese support, Chinese incentives, and getting people employed there and making sure that they buy the cars that support their economy. Lauren Fix is an automotive expert at Car Coach Reports. Fix says BYD is supported by the Chinese regime. It has to come down to components and parts and batteries. And if China's controlling the bulk of the supply issue as well as the microchips, they can supply and make the winners and the losers in this industry. BYD is a conglomerate based in Shenzhen, China, that makes everything from trains and buses to cars. It was founded in 1995 and is one of many electric vehicle producers in China, and Warren Buffett himself owns 7.7%. It's really hard to tell if BYD will continue to outsell Tesla. Uh, it's gaining momentum. It's got some good products out there. Uh, it, of course, did not have the COVID lockdowns in China that, that Tesla did. Paul Eisenstein is the editor-in-chief at the DetroitBureau.com. Eisenstein says the bigger concern is that Tesla doesn't have many new products coming, while competitors across the world have many. It's still uncertain when we're going to get the Cybertruck. If they want to be competitive, they could offer more models, like uh, BYD does, uh, inexpensive model with be a, a huge seller for them. Julia Morovchek is a regional manager at Driven, a company that provides in-person Tesla courses. She says BYD has copied designs from other automakers and is innovating with its battery technology. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. So that's a report there from Colin Fredrickson of NTD News on how BYD has managed to, you know, come up in the market. Yes, there is some admission that BYD has, you know, done the best uh, form of flattery, which is imitation. Uh, no accusation of copyright violation or infringement, but hey, you know, it's a Chinese automaker and it suddenly comes up with a better selling vehicle, better selling design than the global leader just after it opens a factory next door. Ooh, what could possibly go wrong? We thought Elon Musk knew what he was doing. Huh? Oh, well, that's what happens when uh, you think you got it all and you got it made. Somehow they always can find ways of making life more interesting for you, right? Maybe. I could be wrong, but who knows? I'm Mike of New York. That's a quick look on a Friday night. Enjoy your weekend from New York. This was live on Friday night. No, it doesn't come out. Okay, okay, whatever. Y'all have a good time. God bless you. And God bless America.